On this episode of DC On Screen, there's so much DC news because Warner Brothers is doing everything in their power to bury Zack Snyder's Justice League. Remember that oncoming war I mentioned a few episodes ago? It's here. We're in the trenches. <laughs> we'll get into it right after these innocent voice actors present very fine vendables for your prompt procurement. You had fun with that, didn't you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Get the max out of your tax refund at iMart Express. With two pairs starting under 40 bucks, you'll spend less on the have-tos and keep more for the want-tos. Our quality glasses are made in-store by skilled lab techs that take care of your glasses from start to finish, getting them back to you with same-day speed. Get two pairs of glasses starting under 40 bucks or two pairs of progressives for under 80. Our prices won't break the bank. Your tax refund goes further at iMart Express. Get the max out of your tax refund at iMart Express. With two pairs starting under 40 bucks, you'll spend less on the have-tos and keep more for the want-tos. Our quality glasses are made in-store by skilled lab techs that take care of your glasses from start to finish, getting them back to you with same-day speed. Get two pairs of glasses starting under 40 bucks or two pairs of progressives for under 80. Our prices won't break the bank. Your tax refund goes further at iMart Express. Welcome into DC On Screen episode 632. This is the podcast where we talk about the DC Comics multiverse on film and television, give honest opinions on projects upcoming and past, and believe that every version of a property is valid, even if we don't want it to be. If it has been released, it is fair game. So beware of spoilers, and welcome to the show. I'm David C. Robertson. And this, the man who once flunked out of a drawing course for sitting on a cross to see if it hatched, Jason Goss. <laughs> Get it? Cross hatched? Uh, I do. I do. Yeah. Right. I, I later urinated in a jar, and that went over much better. <laughs> well, that's art, Jason. Mm -hmm. That's art. Mm -hmm. You remember that, that Norm MacDonald bit where he talked about the guy who, uh, what did he do? He he pissed on a picture of Jesus. No, I you think remember that, this? that was the uh, well, probably that too, because so many things have been done. I was I was referring to the guy who like pissed in a jar and put a crucifix in it. No, no, yeah. There's like an old Norm Macdonald bit where he's talking about. He's like, yeah, you know, there's this guy in New York uh, at an art installation pissed on a picture of Jesus Christ and called it art. Yeah, I got a piece of performance arts for you. It's called The Devil Puts a Hot Poker Up Your Ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> and what you love about Norm is like for, for two seconds, most of the like Christian listeners were like, yeah, get him. And like five seconds later, he just probably turned on him. He didn't, you know. Really? It's no. normally him. His mo is like, "Oh, you're with me." Okay, <laughs> okay. I, I swear he what does a Larry do to King. Betray that he does a Larry King interview where he professes to be a Christian, and neither me nor Larry King could figure out if he was joking or not. <laughs> he committed to the shit, man. <laughs> mm, he's pulling a Bob Dylan bit there because <laughs> he's just got that gleam in his eye, no matter what. Yeah, he does. He does. Like for someone who's uh, inherently disinterested vocally in life, his his eyes tell a different story. It's compelling. 
<laughs> All right, we need to get into this episode because there's so much. Uh, first yeah, of all, some really, Snyder glory. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's let's quickly thank the patrons. One dollar a month gets you every episode ad free. Five dollars gets you that plus Marvel reviews, comic reviews, any other random bits and oddities that we think of. Uh, and if you don't want to deal with that, you can. Uh, pop over to dconscreen.com and click the donate button, or you can go to our merch store, also dconscreen.com. It's right next to the donate button, um, or right under it on the drop down menu on your mobile device. It says store. So, um, since Zack Snyder's Justice League hit, mm-hmm. a ton of news has dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say a suspicious amount. <laughs> <laughs> Like maybe the folks over at WB are trying to distract from like, Zach's not film. suspicious if you say, for instance, thought this might be coming, but mm-hmm. suspicious in the sense that you're like, man, this is great. Oh, look at all this new stuff. Look, the lizard and the ape are fighting again. Oh, what was that? What was what were we doing a couple weeks ago? <laughs> I can't remember yeah. now. Which look, we can't blame for the for the lizard and the and the monkey there. Um, that's fine. We, we that knew that was coming. I stand by that. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Different continents, Dave. Different continents. Okay. I, I'm not a mammalian over here, you know? I don't know about mammals. You're not an ape-torian? <laughs> so, look. <laughs> that degree only cost me $5. I'm just saying you could have been bothered. Either they're trying to distract from Justice League mm-hmm. or... They are glaringly incompetent. And I don't think that's 100% the case. I think it is somewhat the case, but it's not 100% the case. No, they, I, uh, like a, like so many things in actual life, a little from column A, a little from column B. Mm-hmm. And, and I have some ideas as to what might be going on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, by the way, column I, C here is that they are extremely sharp about what they're trying to do. Yeah, there there is that, uh, that notion that they're very, very, very astute and they know exactly what they're doing. They know that... You know, we don't, uh, there's no way to, you know, get this fan base going. Yeah. Oh, they're keen. to get a fight going. Don't mistake it. They're keen. Get us up in arms about something. But I think, honestly, what I think it is right now, uh, I think it's negotiation tactics. Because Snyder's playing the same game. Snyder's saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't, nothing's like, I think he knows there's no, there's no way to get something happening better than getting us fighting about it, getting us riled up about it. I think they are just using it as a negotiation tactic because the numbers are gangbusters. I'll just say that right out the, right out the gate. But yeah, and that's without even knowing what the numbers are for, for the U S right. Uh, fully. But anyway, let's let's talk about some of this news that uh, that has come out uh, around. Do you get, I mean, and <clears throat> if I can sum up how a lot of this is going to go, I'm going to use the phrase Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. Which we're not smart on this show. We're not very intelligent. And I've been saying the whole time, this is going to open a, a door, man. This is <laughs> when it's not. Look. Here's what I do know. I don't know what I don't know, but what I do know is some shit's going to go down. Here's the thing. We love Zack Snyder's Justice League. I have been supporting, and I say I, mm-hmm. I have been supporting <laughs> the release of the Snyder Cut for a really long time, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and I stand by, hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Mm-hmm. I want to see more. I want to see the rest. By the way, that hashtag, not started by fans. That was started by critics. Just letting you know. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so even the critics want to see this thing now. Um, but I we've been saying forever on this show, if you release the Snyder Cut, they're going to want to see the other films in that arc. Yeah. You will never rest. It was initially one of the reasons I supposed that it would never happen. Mm-hmm. So now we've got a situation where, like, every time Warner Brothers puts up a thing about Godzilla versus Kong or anything, really, you'll get mm-hmm. hashtag restore the Snyderverse over and over and over and over and over and over again. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so let's let's talk about some of this news that came out before and since um, the, the Snyder cut came out. Because we haven't talked about this. We've been kind of doing our own little commentary thing for like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadly, Billy Crudup is no longer on the Flash. He was, uh, you know, Henry Allen in the in the Snyder cut and in the theatrical cut, and mm-hmm. he's now being replaced because of uh, scheduling conflicts. And they've got Ron Livingston coming in, and I can see the the resemblance. He does kind of look like Billy Crudup. He does look like Ezra Miller. I like Ron Livingston. Um, granted, the only thing I know him from is Office Space. He was the main character. <laughs> Yeah, I <clears throat> it him him by itself he's not problematic. It's just a matter of like so many things in the Flash. Uh, how are we going to make this happen? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they've announced that they've got uh, a kid named Ian Lowe playing a young version of the Flash. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've added some more here, uh, some more heroes, some more uh, cast members: uh, Dairy Girls, Ciorsi, Monica Jackson. And internet personality Rudy Mancuso in undisclosed roles. Uh, we know Kirstie Clemens is back as Iris. We, but you know, Michael Keaton came out and said he might not be Batman now. Yeah, that got confusing. I don't think that was part of WB's plan, but <laughs> that does like the opposite of what their plan is. That was a bit confusing. Yeah. Um, well, I think Keaton was just being honest. He was like. I'm needing a minute to think about it because I'm so for- fortunate and blessed. I got so much going on now. I'm really into work right now. I don't know why, but I am. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, somewhere on my iPad is an iteration of the whole Flash thing that I haven't had time yet. You know, I called them and I said, I have to be honest with you, I can't look at anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so deep into this thing I'm doing, this, uh, the, which is Hulu's uh, Dope Sick. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, also, I'm prepping a thing I'm producing and getting ready to do, uh, I'm ready to get, getting ready to do down the road in the fall that I'll be in. And I feel responsible to that. So, yeah, there's that. I'm not being cute or coy. If I talked about Batman, I'll just be bullshitting you. I don't really know. I have to look at the last draft. And he says, uh, I'm more concerned. I, I keep my eye open. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I keep my eye more on the COVID situation in the UK than anything. That will determine everything. And so that's why I'm living outside the city here on 17 acres, staying away from everybody because the COVID thing has got me really concerned. So that's my first thing about all projects. I look at it and go, is this going to kill me? Literally? (laughs) And, you know, if it doesn't, then we talk. So I'm going to see what happens here. This is going to be kind of fun. We'll see what happens. I think it's kind of a drag. We're talking about it. And I'm like... Do you really know what the hell you're talking about? I mean, I could bullshit you, but once I go, I don't know, are we going to do this or not? They say, yeah, we're doing it. Then I go, okay, now I'm going to overthink it because until then I don't want to think about it. Right. So, yep, we don't know. He might, he might bow out, which would suck. (sighs) Yeah. That, 
that would hurt you personally in a, in a, in a very large way. Honestly, if <clears throat> kind of like Crudup, if he just showed up in a kind of adjacent role mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily, you know, the one we were expecting, that just might be a like a flashpoint mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it would have some explanation and the callback would be nice. Honestly, this doesn't hurt me. There's a part of me that's like, yeah, you see what happens? You you, you cut Ray Fisher out. And now you're going to lose your big selling point of Keaton. Mm-hmm. Yep. You lost that big news drop. Karm, uh, Karma's a bitch. He'll come back as Thomas Wayne. <laughs> Karma is a bitch, y'all. Mm-hmm. Stupid asses. Anyway, <laughs> WB's not my favorite right now. I'll be honest. They've, they've made a lot of enemies in the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. They've made a lot of enemies since uh, we even did a news episode. Yes. Much All less right, the last so, couple of weeks. Uh, they have tapped Emerald Fennel of Promising Young Woman. She's a writer and director. Mm-hmm. They have tapped her to play, sorry, to uh, <laughs> to do the Zatanna movie with Bad Robot. Okay. They've got uh, Angel Manuel Soto directing The Blue Beetle which is a Jaime Reyes uh, iteration. Which this sounds is the, fun. Yep, this is the guy that uh, wrote the Scarface remake and uh, let's see, or did the, sorry, he, he directed the, the movie. Um, mm. They've announced Black Adam's release on July 29th, 2022. I saw that. Um, and. My birthday, they've, yep. yeah. And they've got uh, Pierce Brosnan coming in as Dr. Fate. I Honestly, which, like I, Everything we say about the news of the last couple of weeks kind of comes with the disclaimer of like, yes, timing, I know. Mm-hmm. But all yeah. the preambles and disclaimers in the world, Pierce Brosnan's actually pretty inspired casting. It's pretty good casting, yeah. I was pretty impressed he, with that one. Here's the thing about Black Adam, and I don't know how true this is. I've seen a number of sites reporting it now, mm-hmm. but none of the ones that I trust. But <laughs> Naturally. A, a lot of these sites are saying, and I wouldn't doubt it, was true because I know who the person is. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are, or I know who the rock is. A lot of them are saying the rock is, was basically taken aback by Ann Sarnoff's statements. And has gone, has been like talking to Warner brothers. Like, no, screw you. This is Snyderverse. <laughs> <laughs> no. And honestly, there, there couldn't be a greater friend for that fight. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the guy who basically walked into a room where they were considering really mounting Shazam. And by the time he left that room, Shazam was firm and there was a black Adam film planned. Right. And this is, you know, also a guy that they, and they were pumped about it. They weren't even, they didn't feel like they were coerced. They were just like, yeah, man, this, we've got a great new plan for this whole side of the universe. Yep. He and Cavill share an agent. Like they, they're friends. Like they've, Oh yeah. I, I think if anyone was going like, no, I need to. I need to fight Cavill. I've been. I've been touting this for years. Cavill's yeah. got to come back and be in Black Adam. Yeah, uh, he's gonna be him. Yeah. No, he he absolutely, and he has the clout. He just may be able to make it happen. Yeah. And they and announced. By the that, way, when they announced it, mm-hmm. we're talking like New York Times, like uh, Times Square got shut down for them to announce this thing. Well, not <laughs> shut down, but you know what I mean. They they did like a little yeah. blackout stunt thing. Mm-hmm. This is not something that they did lightly, and. After everything he's done for that character, if he tried to back out, I couldn't even imagine how much, oh, how nerve wracking that would be for some of those <laughs> people involved. Yeah, I, I think a lot of. I don't. I don't think. I don't think they can bring anything to the table that will equal him backing out. 
Yeah, and hopefully he can he can do something about it now. Because once Black Adam comes out, the director he's got doing the I don't trust him. I don't like the director. I don't. I I did not know the director, but then I watched The Shallows and I went, "Oh god." <laughs> I'm this bad with the directors. Bad. I I doubt I'd remember if you uh mentioned, but who? I don't remember his name. No. I can't say his well, name. Well, then I have no chance. Uh, I, can't, I can't say his name. I've never been able to say the guy's name, but he did The Shallows. Mm-hmm. And it was awful with Blake Lively. And uh, I I'll, just I'll sat there going. I have, I have no idea. We're in trouble. Mm. Hopefully, you know, it was one of those situations where it was like, you've only got this amount of money and we are forcing reshoots or something. Maybe. Because of that. Honestly, if, if if all they did was. Uh, I mean, he's just, doing Jungle Cruise with The Rock. So apparently The Rock really likes him. <laughs> <laughs> God, that has been a while. Like, I mean, it's happening. It's in post-production right now. Oh, Jungle Cruise. It's not out. Shit, what, was I, yeah. what was I thinking about? It was something I like. I have no idea. Early 2000s. It was The Rock in a Jungle. I remember it being one of the last films that I didn't return on time. And then it didn't matter anymore. Hmm. That late in the game, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just curious. I'll look, I'll look up his IMDb while you're talking. Fair enough. Uh, they re- they <laughs> announced that an hour man movie was in the works. Like what? <laughs> um, this is. I mean, this is spaghetti on the wall, man. Yeah, that's just uh. Helen Mirren as uh, a whole cloth villain, Hespera. In Shazam: Fury of the Gods, who has been described as a daughter of Atlas. Yeah, another I mean, one of those moments where it's like, man, I, I understand, but shit, that would be inspired too. Mm-hmm. Fine, I mean, yes, Helen Mirren is awesome. Of course, I'd love to see her, but sure, we'll see if we'll it see sticks. You. That spaghetti may hit the floor. All right, so one of the one of the stickiest pieces of spaghetti, though, mm-hmm. the freaking Suicide Squad trailer. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> I yeah. love the shit out of this thing, man. That did not have a problem sticking. I mean, to be fair, and you gotta love it. You know, at some point, I think I saw like at the at, at the apex, the Suicide Squad was trending at like something like thirty eight thousand tweets, and uh, Restore the Snyderverse was tweet. It was you know <laughs> like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Nice, <laughs> and uh, I think they topped off at like. 1.5 million? Good God. Yeah. By the way, non sequitur. It was called Walking Tall. I remember that now. I almost said that as a joke. <laughs> I think I just remember some scene near what I believe may have been a hut. I don't know. It's been a long time. But, I mean, that was like in the country, though, wasn't it? Right, maybe. I don't know what country. Like in the South? I have no Because it was, it's a remake. It probably? Anyway. It's been too long. No, it is. I'm telling you this. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> Way too long. All right, get Let's talk about the Suicide Squad trailer, As you're if, you, if, you, the trailer. if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's uh, talk about so, another wrestler. Yeah. So they released these Grindhouse posters. I dug those. Those are good. Um, well, how did you feel about the trailer, man? Did you Were you into it? Did you think it was it looked fun, funny, interesting, badass? What do you, what do you think? Kind of all of the above. I didn't know exactly what I was going for uh, or what I was in for tone-wise until I actually saw it. Because, you know, that... That teaser from Fandome was interesting, but it didn't really tell you where we were heading. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was a much more clear definition of where we were heading. And, man, I, I, I still love that the tag is don't get too attached. It, 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here that I really love, and I feel like James Gunn's just he's he's the right person for it. And yeah, I got some time with some characters where I was kind of wondering, well, how are they going to do this? And then seriously, in the first scene, you get Bloodsport and Peacemaker, and I was like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Okay, no, that this is going to work for me probably. Yeah, absolutely. Like you get Peacemaker making fun of you know Harley Quinn and how she's made up and stuff, mm-hmm. and then oh, are we going to get that from a guy with the toilet on his head? Exactly. That's that's the it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's the shit right there. That's the uh, shit. The thing, the first thing that really worked for me is like I loved how like they built it up like it was some sort of like really serious like heist type of situation or rescue situation, which it was a rescue. Yeah. And then we have Harley who's In already her case, rescued it's her damn heist self. slash rescue. I think you're right to stumble on those two words. Yeah. And we we have Harley's like, you were going to save me? Yeah. And Rick Flagg goes, it was a really good plan, too. <laughs> no, I remember some uh, from interviews, Kenneman talking about how, like, man, I, you know, I haven't really had to stretch that comedy muscle. And I, I'd forgotten two things. One, I really love his Rick Flagg voice. It's, uh-huh. It is so fucking post-military and country in a way that, like, it, just listening to his voice, I'm like, this dude has belled hay. For sure. This dude has belled hay and he woke up early to feed animals. And I get that. I respect that. And two, it, man, I, I just like a slight Southern draw that you can't tell if it's maybe Kansian or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I, I forgot how much I kind of enjoyed how he played that character. And then on top of that, he talked about how he had he was going to have to stretch those muscles. I think he did a great fucking job so far. It would crack me up if Gunn had like a flashback for him. Where we find out he was like, we would like, we actually cut to something from Man of Steel and then like slash over to like what is clearly a new scene. <laughs> and he's just like next door growing up next to Clark. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or alternative take. He literally is in, he's in downtown Manhattan mining a like a hot dog stand and he has no accent whatsoever. That would also ten be years, hilarious. 10 years before. <laughs> um, yeah, I love I love that whole first bit. We was a really good plan too. Well, I can go back inside and you can rescue me. And yeah, and she's standing there with, with what looks like a javelin. Yeah, it looks like she's got javelins, javelin. Yeah, I don't know where they're going with that exactly, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good scene. We've got a uh, freaking. Did you notice that John Ostrander the was the one putting the bomb inside of Savant's head? I did not. It was noticed for me, and I thought fantastic work, people. Did you recognize the the voice of King Shark? That I did. I don't know if I've no. I don't know if I knew what Ostrander looked like. So I had no hope. I was so happy somebody pointed it out for me. Sly. Yeah, mm, yeah I heard that. Sylvester Stallone. I heard that. Om nom. Om nom. Yeah, it was pretty. If you didn't get it by nom nom, it was like this is a hand. Yes, you have a hand. Yes, that is your hand. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> We're all gonna die. We're all gonna fucking. Die. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't know how I was gonna like uh, what's his name? God, he's got a polka really dot hard... man. Uh, yeah, polka dot man. I forget. It, it... David Dostmalchian. Ah, oh, man, fantastic work there. Um, him too, but also just pronouncing it. I, I... It sounds right. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I didn't know how he was gonna be played, and I saw two scenes in this movie. Well, three. One, him just like flying into action. And I thought, okay, they're going to take him seriously. Sweet. And the other one, maybe the first one, I think uh, temporarily was was just like, the like, I, I hope so. And he says that, God, he says that like a Tumblr meme. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Like, this dude is just clearly so fucking done with life. Just, like, the moment they blow me up, the better. If I could find a way to try to escape right now and she blows me up, that would be fantastic. I guess I'm going to sit through this meeting and go on this mission and hope something kills me instead. Oh, my dear God, I'm done. And I kind of, I, I don't know, I jived with that. I, I thought it was a weird thing for Polka Dot Man to, to affect, and I, I enjoyed it. But then maybe my favorite part where I thought, holy shit, we're going to get some real depth for this character, is him in the rave. Mm-hmm. Out of costume, just him in the rave, just fucking looks like he's on X and having a great time. Yeah. I don't know what the hell we're doing with his backstory, but I'm really interested now. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty interested. I'm sure the music's going to uh, be pretty fantastic because that's how Suicide I would hope. rolls. And James Gunn. And James Gunn. Uh, I loved that call back to the first one with, with the, the air one. We fail the mission, you die. We find out any of the information you gave us is false, you die. Mm-hmm. And then you have Harley pop in. We found out you have a personalized license plate, you die. <laughs> if you call for the covering your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he stops her. That is not an open invitation to cough without covering to, your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I saw a lot of people against this. Mm-hmm. and I dug it. I thought it was hilarious. You're the leader. You're, you're supposed to be decisive. Well, I've decided you should eat a big bag of dicks. If this whole beach was completely covered in dicks and somebody said I had to eat a dick. <laughs> sorry. I, yeah, everyone who said I had liberty. to eat every dick until the beach was clean for liberty. Yeah. I would say no problemo. <laughs> why would someone put penises all over the beach? Who knows why mad men do what they do? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the sharpest joke in the trailer. And I, I hope it's not one of the sharper jokes in the movie because I feel like there's so much more potential and, and that would that would be a little disappointing if that was like, oh, that was one of the highlights. But I, I don't feel like that's at all where we're going. I feel like maybe they just gave Peacemaker a moment that was going to flesh out what he's doing more so that when they go back and announce more about the Peacemaker series, that mm-hmm. you've got a little bit more backbone or background for him. That was my bet. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a fine joke. I laughed. Yeah. I've, I saw a few people complain that it was homophobic. I don't think it was homophobic. No one said that the dicks were attached to anyone. No. It's, and it, I'm just literally imagining like flaccid, uh, detached dicks covering a beach. Yeah. I talked to a few of my gay friends. I said, does this sound homophobic to you? They said, no. I, th- I literally thought the dicks were detached. No one wants to eat that. like for me it's not i get how it can be construed that way and i I would certainly sympathize like i don't use cocksucker as a a a phrase for people at this point because what the fuck is wrong with that right like it i i I understand pejorativeness in in a lot of these ways and yeah i would be down with it if somebody was offended i get it but i I didn't find it so but could be just me me could be uh just where i come from uh my friend kevin literally went I mean, if they were on a beach, they're all covered in sand. Oh, that's another. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, like also um, just pure quantity, right? It's a lot. It's a lot. That, I mean, it's a lot. even in peacemakers, clearly somebody who's got like a 30,000 calorie a day diet. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know how many dicks that equates to. There's probably also, someone that can do no some math one, on that. No one said they were human. <laughs> fear factor was a thing for a reason yeah or do my worst nightmare this is a beach full of spider dicks no what does that even mean i don't i don't even i don't i don't i don't i don't really even know anatomically what the hell a spider dick looks like i don't care to yeah anyway i will tell I you love- completely beside the point i watched uh 
I, I watched for a few seconds and kind of had to turn away, but I, I was so curious. I just saw some bumblebees that landed nearby and I was like, oh, 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 okay. It's a sex thing. And then the one started just pumping in a way that was like, that's just literally like, it's just like missionary style. Like, or no, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's like doggy style. Like, yeah, there you go. This looks very, this looks absurdly human. And as soon as I was like, this looks so human that I'm like, embarrassed by it i kind of walk away you're you're uncomfortable it made me uncomfortable (laughs) because (laughs) at least your at least your knee-jerk reaction wasn't to pull out your camera and put it onto like Pornhub or something yeah no it was not a uh it it wasn't even my knee-jerk to even just sit and watch curiously like i i was curious for a second realized what was happening and went oh well this is not I, i don't need to be here for this and just made my way inside yeah but uh you know, there was just some serious pumping there. Well, point being, bumblebee dick possibility. <laughs> Something was being pumped. Right. It looked absurdly personified. Um, yeah. So I loved the king shark gore and ripping that dude apart. Oh, I, that made uh, me very happy. One of my favorite things was him gnawing on that skull. And I loved someone talking, oh, look at how cute he is. And James Gunn tweeted that and said, he's literally he's gnawing <laughs> on a skull. <laughs> He's gnawing on a human skull. How is this? Uh, how is this? Whatever, man. I just how is this cute? We've got uh, the the tech guy screaming. We got a kaiju up in this bitch, and it's, it's of course a starro. Yep, Steve uh, <sighs> Aggie Aggie. Yeah, however you say his name. Yeah. I guess that's going to be his role, not King Short uh, Shirt Shorts. King Shark's voice, right? Uh, which a lot of people thought Taika was going to be King Shark's voice, mm. and, yeah. and then it turned out that it was. Uh, it was sly and then everybody's like oh well, he's gonna be starro and james gunn's like nope <laughs> missed again so who's taika i don't know uh i again i laughed harley says i love the rain it's like angels splooging all over us <laughs> i'm sorry i have a, i have a 13 year old sense of humor as well i i can't help it yeah yeah uh, it would yeah it would be hard to have a suicide squad film in the context of what we've been given so far Without some dick jokes, man. Mm. You're going to have to go lowbrow a few times. I'm here for it. I think it's not only applaudable, but uh, I I feel necessary. And they're already dropping TV spots, too. And, like, one of them had a couple of really cool shots. The boomerang throwing his, like, glowing, luminescent boomerangs. Uh, And we got, like, a little clip of... um, I hope he's, like, cut Starro with the boomerangs and he's infecting people with his thoughts with the fucking boomerangs now. That'd be cool. Um, then we have a great thing of uh, a great little clip of Peter Capaldi saying that's suicide. And then we got Rick flag going. That's kind of our thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I, I, I can't wait. I'll be there. Oh yeah. Speaking of that speech where they're talking about, you know, if you try anything, Capaldi just sitting there looking so fucking smug. It's pretty into whatever he's about to be doing too. I don't, I don't <laughs> think he lasts the movie. I forget where we where uh, which one of us drafted in the Suicide Squad Deadpool, mm. but uh, I don't I don't feel like he gets through it. Fair enough. If I were James Gunn, I would make people think he died and then have him be like the big big villain at the very end. That could work. Having fought out every scenario, no, that could work. And uh, you know, Gunn would definitely do that with his uh, character. Like Starro could show up in you know the forty minute mark. Honestly, for all we know now. Yeah, we don't know. Although it seems like they're they're recruiting him for something related to Starro, doesn't it? 
A little bit. Yeah, I mean, why would you have somebody like the thinker and then give him so many warnings? But also, could just be a, a ritual, you know, new member. These are the rules. Um, yeah, that's, like I said, it was, you know, going back to the first one where they did the whole spiel. Yeah. Something to go back to as far as the, uh, what we have seen before this trailer was in that little, whatever you want to call it, uh, sizzle, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It was, there was a lot of speculation that some of the faces were covered by little stars. So yep. I don't think Star is going to be just a one-off, we defeated him in 10 minutes kind of thing. But it no, also, so. it just wouldn't surprise me if there was another twist at the end in the slightest. It it wouldn't, but I mean, we've, we know that the, the, the really big like third act thing is them attacking Cordo Maltese and that place is destroyed with giant Starro coming up out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But it may just be like they get there, they lose ground and have to go back. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know either. Mm-hmm. I don't know either. And like an old jalopy trying to start up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I wish I could do some joke about what kind of car that actually sounded like, but I have no fucking idea. Yeah, I'm not a guy. That sounds like an RC car to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Low on batteries. Double A. <laughs> All right. So shall we talk about the Sarnoff situation? Ooh. I suppose. I suppose. All right. So, Variety. You have a... Huh? You have Steely Dan in your head right now, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just making sure. <laughs> I have for days. Seems fitting going into this segment. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Days and days now. And... What's worse for me, that's the only line I remember. I need to go back and listen to the whole song. <laughs> I'll make that a note for tomorrow mentally. Go back, listen to the whole song so you have other other lyrics at least. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what was it? Five days after the Snyder Cut was, was put out, was released? Mm-hmm. Variety uh, posts this article, and or this interview, I should say. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, interview. Uh, more like a press release, but whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, this was all done. This was all. Ooh, sorry. Mm-hmm. This interview was done before they released the cut. So just just to let you, they they this was a plan. All right. Mm-hmm. Um. So an article by Brent. Sorry, Brent Lang. Uh, very anti Snyder. Always a mouthpiece for WB. Um. Released an article, Warner Media's and Sarnoff on Zack Snyder's Justice League and DC's future. And I'm going to be interjecting all through this damn thing. It's all very specific. Mm-hmm. Like the way they've, like right out of the gate, they waste no time. Warner Media Studios CEO and Sarnoff says that the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League will complete the director's superhero, superhero trilogy. It is, it is a five movie arc. <laughs> Reinforcing the studio's desire to move past the social media campaign to hand back control of the DC film universe to the filmmaker. Instead, Sarnoff believes that the future of DC is more than just movies. Who who the hell said it wasn't? Mm-hmm. She's excited about a multi-platform future, one that sees Batman, Superman, The Flash, and other Justice League members popping up on streaming shows, video games, television spinoffs, and big screen outings. Why couldn't they do that anyway? Yeah, that's not a contradictory but, thing. Also, like, like so many people were pointing out you're going to spread your wings that far but you can't yeah you know 
envelop the Snyder version too? Nah, bullshit. It's a vision that echoes what Marvel has been doing with his Avengers characters, taking superheroes like the Vision, the Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, and Loki, who have previously appeared only in movies and giving them streaming shows of their own. Now, I think it's funny that Brent Lang says that because, like, Anne acts like it's a it's an unpredictable thing. Like, oh, we're going to do something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, the Warner Media Studios chief is also excited about the diverse range of creators she's been enlisting to uh, tell some of these stories, which includes tapping between the world and me author Ta-Nehisi Coates to write a Superman film or developing Blue Beetle, which marks the company's first Latinx superhero movie. But Sarnoff may, be, may have to deal with an unruly and emboldened fan base. Oh, we're just already bringing in the toxic, pe- the toxic people. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. One that successfully pushed Warner Media to release a four-hour R-rated version of Justice League, which was truer to Snyder's darker vision of the characters. Now, look, already, I'm going to just point out, they're doing what I hate that the Snyder fans do when the Snyder fans are like, we made them do this. No, money made them do this. <laughs> no, no one went to anyone's home and held their children hostage. So Brent Lang says, they pushed them to do it. No, money pushed them to do it. They provided uh, anyway. They provided a means of capitalizing mm-hmm. is a better phrasing. Sarnoff spoke to Variety on Sunday, five days after the Snyder Cut started streaming on HBO Max. I don't believe that, that was when they spoke. I don't believe they had to have spoken afterwards for this article to have been released as it was uh, about catering to DC's fan base, the future of DC and actor Ray Fisher's allegations of misconduct and racial bias during the shooting of justice league. Basically they talked about all the things mm-hmm. and they said all the wrong things about all the things for the most part. Uh, there are a couple of things I agree with. Uh, we'll get to it, but these, these questions, these are not questions that Mr. Lang formulated himself. Yeah, he was given no, these it was, questions. It was a guided process. Um, why did you decide to release the Zack Snyder's Justice League? And Anne says we wanted to give Zack the opportunity to complete his vision in a four-hour movie, which is impossible to do in theaters. No, it's not. We're happy <laughs> that we have HBO Max to let the rope out, as it were, and allow the fans to see all four hours of Zack's vision. Uh huh. All right. <laughs> I didn't see anyone object to the phrasing of let the rope out. But are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Uh, yeah, I thought about it too. <laughs> no, I mean, and it tracks real hard with what Snyder was saying about how, like, initially he was told, like, hey, let's just release what's on your computer right now. And he's like, yeah, no, that's that's a that, that's a trap. And go fuck yourself. We're not doing that. You can let yep. me finish it or you can not. Because, yeah, they were going to let him release it. And show that, like, oh, look, it's unfinished and kind of bad. Uh-huh. It was a, it was a fucking trap. It was a fucking yep. trap. Like, there's no doubt about that. And Absolutely. even the phrasing that was on her tongue right then was, come on, let him have enough rope to hang himself. If yep. you did not bang those two neurons <laughs> together, please let me hand them to you to do so. That's what she was thinking. <laughs> uh-huh. That is, like, I'm surprised they let them print that. Yep. Oh, I, I'm not, but you know, it's, that's, that's the part where the, you know, incompetence slips in no, from time it, to time. It reeks of like the mustache twirling villain describing his master plan. Mm-hmm. It's, it it's does bad. a little bit, doesn't it? It's just bad. It's bad form all the way around. 
Brent says, what are your plans going forward for DC? Anne says, we've got an incredible group of creators, television series creators, Max series creators, feature film creators, who are basically broadening the base of the talent that we work with on DC because we're so excited about the potential to build out the DC multiverse. You want the multiverse, just not the Snyderverse. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I was hired almost two years ago. The, be- the before and after was it was a very siloed organization with no connectivity between the businesses. DC was being developed, but in a kind of monolithic way in each division. My mantra coming in was to make it bigger and broader, and we really wanted to surprise and delight the fans with more connective tissue across the various media platforms. Yeah, and we had hope for you, and this is what happened. Yep. I'm talking movies, HBO Max, television, and our games division. Yes, yes, all of that all if you yes. meant it. Yeah. If you meant it, yes. <clears throat> Brent says... The Snyder Cut came about because of a fan campaign online. Do you feel that? See, I don't like that. (laughs) That's not. I mean, yes, it did, but also they like they like money. Um, I mean, there was a confluence of circumstances, but in all fairness, without the fan campaign, none of it would have mattered. Absolutely, I'll give him that phrasing. Uh, Do you feel like you need to strike a balance between being responsive to fans? And charting your own course as a company, how responsive do you believe DC should be? She says, we're always going to listen to our fans, but we are in service of the broadest fan base and we owe them an integrated, holistic strategy. We are the shepherds of the franchise and hopefully when the fans see what we've got in store, they'll know that DC is in good hands across many different platforms with many different creators just not Snyder, apparently. Mm -hmm. We want different voices in the mix. For certain fans that want singular voices, they may be disappointed. But we would ask them to be patient and see what we've got in store because perhaps the newer voices in the mix will have just as compelling stories to tell. Yeah, I get it. But it sounds a little bit like if you get enough people involved in a franchise that's bigger than you, you Mm -hmm. don't ever get the opportunity to have any actual say-so. And you also don't have the opportunity to bargain for better you know, payment arrangements. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she says, on balance, you, of course, want to listen to your fans, but we do want to stay true to our vision and our mission for DC and build that out. Now, dude, you're a you're a shareholding company. Fuck your vision. We don't we don't yeah. trust you with that. We trust you to put yeah. money where the people want vision <clears throat> to be had. And you no. you you go to creators for that. Let me let me ask you something, because I, I can't believe you didn't grab onto this and like latch onto it. Mm-hmm. You and I both have spent an ungodly amount of our lives in customer service. Oh, yeah. It's like I'm, I'm um, still in it. Yeah. At any point, is it appropriate to tell a customer you may be disappointed in our product? <laughs> Honestly, a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I but, just, I, but that is, but it's, that has never been in, like, pra- in best practices. The way it was just pitched to me by Ann Sarnoff was we have a vision. We, that's what we're trying to get accomplished. And we understand that everyone may not be able to come along with this, mm-hmm. but that's what I'm saying. We don't give a fuck about your vision. Your vision is what got us here. Your vision is what fucked Snyder to begin with. Your vision is what isolated the separate universes and the continuity that you're why this is a little bit fucked. But here, here's also what pisses me off about that statement. She says, for certain fans that want a singular 
uh, that want singular voices. All right. Most of the people that I know who want the, res- the to restore the Snyder verse, they're not asking for, for singular voices. They're fine with lots of different voices. Zack Snyder himself has said, look, Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman movies. They're not in my canon. James Wan's Aquaman. They're not in my canon. My movies, the ones I directed are in my canon. If they want to follow that, that's fine, but I'm not going to tell them they have to. Yeah. And guess what? They haven't. Patty Jenkins threw out the I've been away for 100 years thing. James Wan changed Aquaman's tattoos. He changed Amber Heard's voice. He changed her costume, her hair, pretty much <laughs> like her backstory. <laughs> like that's and Snyder was like, cool, go check those movies out. They're dope. Yeah. Like Snyder's like, go support Matt Reeves. Like that's why that's one of the reasons if you follow us over on Twitter, DC on screen. You will see we are very much, no, we're going to support all of the DC things because we like all of the DC things. Zack Snyder says, I like all of the DC things. We are very against this notion that Zack Snyder is the only person who could do anything with DC. It's bullshit. No. I mean, and most of us. I the, the closest I get to thinking that is, man, I, like, I love uh, Shazam and mm-hmm. the, I can't um, I, I can't imagine a world where like Zack Snyder directed the next Shazam movie. It it wouldn't be the same. Like he Sandberg needs to keep that. Just period. Yeah. He's he's got an itch, he's got a good feel for it. He should stay in that lane. I mean and, and great. But the closest I come to thinking that anything should be like a Snyderverse, it really is that you've built you built the universe on some sand and you just kinda like Man, you just went to a different beach for a couple of things and and just decided to fuck off on the on on the original. It's man, it's not that hard. It it's hard to coordinate, but you have you have a thing. You have a thing that does mm-hmm. well. You come up with an overall story for how this is going to go uh, going forward. You come up with like a long term plan, and you you kind of there's a little bit of mandate to the filmmakers that are going to be independent and have their own voice. That I need you to hit a couple points. And I get that. And even when they're not completely contiguous like they are, like being able to use Machete's Flash to do what they're going to do now and hopefully correct some of those, uh, just some of the missteps as far as the continuity, that's great. That can all work. But the point is that it can all work. Snyder's universe can still be intact. All the other filmmakers can still keep their voice and keep their, you know, uh, their own uh, bits of ingenuity and, and directives. It doesn't. It, none of this is contradictory. Is the problem with everything she's saying? Yeah, we're we're fine with the multiverse. We just want a Snyderverse to be in there. We want to see the rest of his story. Yeah, you literally. Then could I use swear, the Flash we will stop say, talking about it. Like you could use the Flash as the cul-de-sac, and that would make sense. And say like, no, no, no. This is where the characters, those characters, ended. We rewrote the universe, and here we are now. And that would, and they might. I would buy it. It it tracks. It tracks with the Flash. It tracks with the set of properties you bought, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Like, but yeah. I, you know, uh, I, I want to see the rest of Snyder's vision. I do. Of course. I do. But that doesn't, you know, mean that I don't want to see anything else. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah. That, that, this is, you know, anyway. Anne says, we have weekly meetings with our key execs in every division. Late August, I was made head of studios and networks. God help us. Mm-hmm. And I now have all of the creative groups beneath me. God help God us. God help us. So now around that table, it's not just Warner Brothers Film, Warner Brothers Television, and Warner Brothers Games, but it includes HBO and HBO Max and the Turner Networks, Adult Swim, and the Kids and Family Networks. You're involved 
We are involving all of those people in our plans going forward, and that means that media is going to be more connected, and sometimes in subtle ways, and sometimes more overt ways, like opposite the Suicide Squad, we're spinning out Peacemaker with James Gunn and John Cena, passionately developing that for HBO Max. It's my job to make sure we super serve our fans across all demos and all fan bases, Ex- except for the Snyder fan base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Brent says there's also been a toxic side to the fandom. And yeah, that's all you've been talking about, jackass. With reports that critics and some of your executives have received threats for not endorsing the Snyder Cut or for being perceived as standing in the way of its release, what's your reaction to that behavior? She says, we're not tolerating any of that. That behavior is reprehensible no matter what franchise you're talking about or what business you're talking about. Absolutely. I agree. Most of us agree. It's completely unacceptable. The the two points that... First of all, yes, there are. There's some shitty people out there using this hashtag. Agreed. And absolutely, they can get fucked. Yeah. There's some shitty people under Warner Brothers payroll. Uh Uh-huh. And I feel like those are both salient points here that aren't being addressed. Like, Mm -hmm. you just... Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, Anne. No. Oh, it's, it's being addressed. It's just not in the way you want. Uh, she says, I'm very disappointed in the fans that have chosen to go that negative place with regard to DC. Yeah, me too. With regard to some of our executives. Even It's that? just disappointing. It's disappointing because we want this to be a safe place to be. Fuck that. No, you don't. Do you do, do you want it to be a safe place for Ray Fisher? Yeah, exactly. Or Gal Gadot? Yeah. Is that... It, you you, did, you wanted it to be a safe place only when enough people decidedly, de, finally decided to turn on Joss Whedon to, to make it public that he was a shitty person. Uh-huh. But until then, you weren't so interested in it. Say, fuck yourself. Just go fuck yourself. But, but you're holding fast to Walter Hamada and Jeff Johns' dicks. Yeah, and John Berg. Yeah, he's gone, I think. Is he? But, uh, mm, yeah, okay. I think so. Well, and Emmerich's we still DC... just fucking floating around. Yeah, Toby Emmerich, yeah. We want DC to be a fandom that feels safe and inclusive. We want people to be able to speak up for the things they love, but we don't want it to be a culture of canceling things <laughs> that any small faction isn't happy with. No, we are, <laughs> we're not happy about that. Laugh we're about we positive. We're about positivity and celebration. The fuck you are. One of your most important characters is the least positive person in fiction. <laughs> and I don't want to feel safe reading or watching DC comics. You have some of the best villains in the in the I want to go home afraid for my life. Don't give me this fucking <laughs> Pollyanna bullshit. Like, no. No, 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 no. No. I will listen to Magical Mystery Tour when I want to feel positive things. By the way, I love that they're not about, you know, all of this canceling shit in an article where they're canceling the Snyder Exactly. They're not about positivity, positivity and celebration because they're not, you know, being positive or celebrating the Snyder Cut. No, no. It's been, it was just released five days ago. It is my ongoing problem with like, well, the positivity is like, look, dude, everyone, everyone who you think is being negative is positive in their own way. They think they are being a lot of them. Eh, some people are just shitty for shit's sake, but a lot of people think they're being positive about something, even when they're being shitty about how they do it. So when you go back and say, like, we're, we're all about the positive, no, you're not. You're just picking a side. It's a human thing to do. We all fucking do it. You all have, like, a thing you do that y- you disagree with this point, so you think the other people on the other side of the fence are being shitty. That's how life works. You cannot operate your fucking business that way. You have to be able to see beyond that basic fucking concept you should have learned before elementary school gave out on you. That it, The fact that this is being touted in an article 
in such a vaunted paper that someone thought we would buy it is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Go. Fuck. Yourself. <laughs> Get him. Get him. <laughs> oh. So Brent says, the campaign for a release of the Snyder Cut has moved into a new phase. It's now Restore the Snyderverse. What's your reaction to this new campaign? She says, I appreciate that they love Zach's work and we are very thankful for his many contributions to DC. We're just so happy that he could bring his cut of the Justice League to life because that wasn't in the plan until about a year ago. With that comes the completion of his trilogy. There's like one sentence in there that I'm like, okay, factually that checks out. We're very happy we've done this, but we're very excited about the plans we have for all the multi-dimensional DC characters that are being developed right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you lying jerk. God, did you hear the cracking sound when she patted herself on the back? <laughs> this is, this is, this, uh, Brent says, will there be more of these director's cuts? Will we see David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad? She says, in one sentence, we won't be developing David Ayer's cut. Bollocks. Just bollocks. Brent says, looking at the DC slate, there seems to be an emphasis on creating opportunities for diverse creators and, and, and characters. You've got a Latino superhero movie with Blue Beetle, Sasha, Sasha Kaye becoming the first Latinx, Latinx, whatever you say it, actress to portray Supergirl. And Tana Hesey Coates writing a Superman movie. Yes, all things she has that you guys have already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. is there a concerted effort to take the brand in a more inclusive direction? By the way, Zack Snyder just made like all the people diverse mm-hmm. between Zack and Ayer. So I don't know. I don't even know why they're acting like this isn't that hasn't already been a thing. No, I mean whatever. The, Diablo was the star of that fucking film as Ayer made it. I mean. They, Will Smith is Deadshot, anyone? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I don't know where. Like, Pacific this is Islander as Aquaman of instead of, form. yeah, freaking Pacific Islander as, as Aquaman instead of, mm-hmm. you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, Nazi poster boy Aquaman. Right. I mean, uh, what, what, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, anyone instead of. <laughs> instead of anyone Linda who Carter? just looked like, <laughs> like a random Greek lady, like. Or not even a random Greek lady, just like a straight up white lady with with big blue eyes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it 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 has not lacked inclusive capacities in the slightest. They straight up mentioned Flash. Snyder straight up mentions Flash as being a Jewish boy. Like we're, mm-hmm. I I understand a lot of people are like, oh no, that's still white. Uh, in the comics, he was blonde hair, blue eyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> what's he still is. They, 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 they've brought some. Yes, my pull is some still ethnicity the on it. And guess what? Uh, Dude just still looks Aryan as hell. Like, and, and fuck, man. I mean, it. That's all fine and well and good. It's just that if you make changes like that, and later they're like, "Well, we're going to make some changes. They're going to be inclusive." What you you can't no you you can't gaslight me and tell me none of these things happened. They yeah. all happened. You you're not making new decisions. And by the way, even saying that, you know, we're embracing things is like, I feel like in in the right world where he really was the master of ones and zeros, there would just be in the article itself posted on their website, hashtag I stand with Ray Fisher, posted uh-huh. by Cyborg. <laughs> just in so, the middle uh, of them talking yeah. about how fucking inclusive they feel like being going forward. 
they're dude, they're backpedaling from what Ray Fisher's pulled off mm-hmm. for fucking sure. They oh yeah, they this is and give them credit. Is... A lot of the arguments about POC that have come out of all these films and that we're talking about now, fucking Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is this is where they're heavily trying to beat Ray Fisher's arguments yeah. down. No, no, no. We're, we're good. We're fine. We're look. We're in, we're woke as hell. Espe- especially when you when you get to the part where she's basically black friending the, Walter Hamada. Oh, yeah. No, I've got a minority friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that is so, that is genuinely and, the point where I cannot believe there wasn't somebody who said, mm, are you sure you want to do this? Right. So she says, it's super important to me and it's in line with what we want to do. We want to branch out and let creators interpret parts of the universe in unique and special ways. Ta-Nehisi working on Superman is incredibly exciting. I can't wait to see what he comes up with. Mm-hmm. And director Andy Muschietti on The Flash or Patty Jenkins Matt Reeves just finished filming the Batman against the odds of COVID. Oh, against the odds of COVID. Okay. <laughs> like, we're so excited to finish that movie and have people see it because Matt's take on Batman is different than other takes. I mean. I would hope. He, also, did he finish? Did they wrap? Yeah, they wrapped. Okay, good, good, good. I'm just glad it's over with. Maybe we'll she get says, a trailer fa- one day. She says, even familiar, even familiar characters have lots of possibilities. No fucking kidding. Are you? How many how many Batman have we had in our lifetimes? Brent says, you talked about breaking down silos in the company. What does that mean for DC? She says, creators want to have franchises that are larger than life. But oftentimes you start working with a company and that company has discrete divisions. So you become a film creator. You become a television creator and never the twain shall meet. My role is to pull people together towards a vision that can make the whole more than the sum of the parts. One of the key aspects of that is having a long range plan. These movies and TV series can take two plus years to make. So if you're not planning out and bringing other people into the plan, that further accentuates the silos. It's having the plan. And then is having the strategy where all of the various businesses work in harmony to create the plan. It seems logical, but it's very rarely done well. One of the things that I said to the group early was never let your fans see your org chart. And boy, could the fans see our org chart in 2019. I mean, that just fucking literally. Um, also, <laughs> thinking that the fans are not going to get on top of that. Like, you are a publicly traded company. You have uh-huh. to release all of your shit. Do you think there aren't people savvy enough to go buy one fucking share so they're entitled to get to a shareholders meeting just to hear that shit? Go fuck yourself. Cannot uh. stress that enough. This is the dumbest, most juvenile stance I could possibly have imagined a major company taking given all that they have at their disposal right now. Yep. And on top of that, all right, let's say it's, let's give her the most optimistic possible approach to what she just said. Mm-hmm. Let's say that her plan really is we're going to do like we did on, you know, the the Flash meeting the Flash on CW. Let's say our long-term plan is to do that. Mm-hmm. If you ask me to do that, given what I had right now, and you told me that the only two barriers I have are that we cannot include Snyder and we cannot include the current universes going forward, except insofar as they are part of the new universe, not the Snyder universe. I might release something like this article. God help me, I hope I would phrase it better and and do less stupid shit. But Uh you might release something like this article that kind of says, hey, we appreciate everything that's going on here. This is the cul-de-sac going on over here, blah, blah, blah. And they've already stopped using that term to some extent because fucking that didn't work out. Um, (laughs) Like, 
you might try to say something like, we're going to move toward this. This is our plan for being inclusive, which is clearly a thing the fans wanted. Um, but if, if for no other reason, uh, then the, I think the overwhelming majority of people were standing with Ray Fisher mm-hmm. and the rest of the fucking POCs that got cut out of that film. So, yep. You mean all of them? <laughs> you mean the lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if your idea was, we're going to try to move it to this place. Maybe you do a thing where you're like, Hey, listen, we're just trying to minimize this part of the universe. And that means air is going to be a casualty of trying to do that because the air cut is very dependent on the Snyder cut in certain ways, story-wise. So maybe you do all that. Maybe you even kind of say like, hey, this is what we're building and this is what we're going toward. I, I could almost understand that except it just – it the whole thing reeks of the incompetence of someone who's just not able to actually make that transition. Mm-hmm. It, I, I've gotten to this point a few times and – God help me. Like a year ago, I thought, oh, man, uh, you know, maybe Hamada's got us. Like, maybe this is the way. Like a year and a half ago, even. Like, ah, oh, man, I mean, we've we've made some better decisions. Sujihara's out. You know, we've, you know, it, it's it's trending in a better direction. I'm hearing a lot of the things, uh, a lot of things I want to hear. And then that did not work out. And, you know, it turns out, hell, it, if I'd been privy to everything in the meantime, it still wouldn't have worked out. He was being a piece of shit while we were thinking that he might not be a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So we're accurate. We're we're left. We're left with like, what the fuck do we do? And honestly, I I, I think you just like you burn the whole network. You, you burn the whole management structure down. I feel like you just put Jim Lee, who's deftly kept himself out of this conversation, in charge. Let it ride. Mm. It's the only thing I would add. Like, you know what they've done over like a couple times now and has not worked is look at other organizations who've uh, who with people who have a, a good resume, people who've run organizations this large and and thought, you know what, I think you may be able to do a crossover to this look, it's a skill set. I totally get it. It, it. People get into whole different parts of the world they're not supposed to be in because they have a certain kind of skill set and blah 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 blah. I feel like I can't say that without thinking about taken anymore. Is that is that true? <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I, I did. I did hear it in a brogue. I, so, yeah. <laughs> but it feels like you, you, you hire people because they, they have the skill set to do this level job rather than asking people who know that industry to do that level job. Jim Lee is mm-hmm. one of those people that, as far as I can tell, has always been able to go one rank up, one step up, higher up the hierarchy the entire time and just... Every time they ask him to take on new responsibilities and he does so seemingly without effort. Like, why not bring people inside this organization up instead of trying to transfer people and putting ourselves back in the same fucking situation we are every time? Yep. Uh, So Brent says, how did viewers and fans see the org charts when it came to DC? And Ann says, they they saw this character in movies Mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with that character in TV. Or, or, or you said in 2019, so you talk, you're saying Crisis on Infinite Earths, you didn't see the movies and the TV shows convert. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Creating that more unified vision, which is coming together with Peacemaker spinning off of the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Well, you're hung up on that, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And you'll see a lot more of that going forward. You'll also see original things and businesses that don't relate. And that's okay, too. 
but we're in charge of that decision making about whether to connect the dots or not. Mm-hmm. Here's my favorite part. I mean, you are, but it's like a lot of companies. You're in charge insofar as people are giving money. Mm-hmm. She says, we don't want to be predictable. We want fans to spot Easter eggs at the end of the movie that relate to a movie or a show coming up or a show about to launch on HBO Max. We can hearken back to something that was said in the Flash movie, or there could be a cameo appearance of one of the actors from one movie into a current show. Look, so that would be great. Sounds good. You, Sign me up. Except. Well, we don't want to be predictable. We want to do the thing that everyone expects because Marvel's been doing it since 2008. <laughs> I mean, not even that, like it, Marvel's been doing it cinematically for a while, but even they weren't, this has again, been one of my long problems with the Marvel cinematic universe and, and how all these television shows and streaming services were supposed to be, you know, a part of it. I mean, they definitely, they definitely did that on the first two or three seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Yeah. You would have little moments. You, there, there were just tiny teases of moments that tied back up. But it's it's been my problem the entire time is the Marvel movies kick down, but they don't not they don't kick back right. up. And it's why when the Flashes met in fucking CW and it turned out that that universe was really way more important than the rest, um, that it was a, a huge turn of trope for me. Like mm-hmm. it, it finally kicked up. And I get that she's saying that, and that all sounds great. And it, to me, it's not even like Marvel's been doing it for a while. It's that comics do that. You get to the end of a comic run that's, you know, 12-issue series that lasted a year, and you get to the end in the the last splash page is some villain that you, you didn't see coming, and, like, you know, they were behind it the entire time. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bounce between characters. Uh, you, that's that's part of the format. I get it. I applaud it. What, what you're telling me, though, is that you're going to try to embrace that without embracing anything that's happened so far. And until you give me a mechanism for accepting that, I, I, I'm, I'm just calling bullshit. Mm. All right. So Brent says, Ray Fisher has accused Warner Brothers executives of racially biased behavior and of trying to impede an investigation into alleged misconduct on the set of Justice League. Into Did your now. investigation... Did your investigation corroborate any of these claims of racism on the part of your employees? And says, no. Our investigator, Judge Catherine Forrest, who, by the way, is a former judge. She's not a judge anymore. Mm -hmm. She's just a lawyer now. Has issued statements specifically about DC Films President Walter Hamada saying that there was no evidence of interference by Walter in the investigation. Yeah, well, Ray has already said that it was he didn't interfere in the investigation he attempted to interfere in the investigation she says uh she said that the cuts made in the joss whedon version of justice league were not racially motivated we took it very seriously so we hired one of the top investigators out there and gave her a tremendous amount of leeway that that whole interaction just reeks of a lawyer calling a special witness Mm -hmm. i mean Shit, I've read a lot of depositions at this point in my life, and God, it, like you can tell when the lawyer is asking something that they expect to be answered a certain way, and they're really excited about it. You can hear it in their voice. <laughs> Ray Fisher has previously stated that because of a non-disclosure agreement, he can't share specifics about the abusive behavior he endured on the set of Justice League. Is there an NDA that would prevent him from publicly sharing all the details of what transpired on Justice League? She says, not that I know of, no. 
And then it says, editor's note, a spokesperson for Fisher responded to Variety's request for comment with the following statement. Mr. Fisher is no longer under NDA and will comment further when appropriate to do so. Um, Brent says, Walter Hamada has been on the receiving end of a lot of fan criticism. What was his involvement in the production of Justice League? And says, Walter had nothing to do with Justice League. He was not running DC Films in 2017 when Justice League was completed and released. He was not put in charge of DC Films until the following year. About a year ago, Walter, uh, Toby Emmerich, me, former media, former Warner Media chairman, Bob Greenblatt, former HBO Max content chief Kevin Riley, and HBO Max original programming head Sarah Aubrey sat around the table with Zach and greenlit the Snyder Cut. That cut includes Ray Fisher's entire story of Cyborg, which is something that he had been disappointed had been cut from the Justice League movie three years ago. Perhaps we've lost the plot a little bit, which is that Toby and Walter were part of the green lighting that allowed Zack's vision to come to life, which includes sharing the full story about Ray's character. There really was nothing that Walter did against Ray. In fact, he offered him a role in the Flash movie. Walter was promoted recently. I am fully supportive of Toby and Walter and their visions. I truly believe they are great executives. Walter happens to be a person of color, so he knows what that feels like. He is bringing in diverse voices at an accelerated pace, more than anyone has in the past. Yep, yep. I feel like we've addressed this condescension. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, oh, you gave Ray back his story? Congrats. Also, I love that bit about like him. I feel like we've lost track of the narrative, which which is really like what we should be focusing on here is how the POC let the POC back in the film, and we gave it to that white dude to to put it back on. So you know, you know, m- me and the other white people we're good, <laughs> no problems here. We're all friends with Walt. Yeah, it's all it's all, call it's all bueno up in this bitch. <laughs> You talked about enlisting a broad range of voices when it comes to charting the future of DC. Is there one person calling the shots? She says the connective tissue in the middle is Jim Lee, who oversees DC Comics. Jim leaves, Jim lives and breathes the canon of DC, and he works with all of the divisions to make sure the storylines are true to the canon. Yeah. He helps them come up with ideas for new storylines. Jim is very much in the middle of everything, but the group together helps spur on new ideas. But there's not one person calling the shots because I want all the voices in the room to offer their expertise and knowledge of the formats. I, I agree, but there has to be a prism. Mm-hmm. Having Kevin Feige is one of the best things the MCU ever did. Of course, they have like a board of like 15 different people in addition to Kevin Feige who were like taking notes and, and coming up with story ideas. And all for the, of that. For, for yeah, the, no, he's not yeah. in any way shouldering the entire weight, but... At some point, there's a moment where somebody makes a decision about the long-term storyline, and there has to be that person. Yeah. Hell, even if it's a committee that votes, you know, best of five (laughs) out of nine. Shit, I don't care. Something has to make a decision about how these things go. And there has to be a deciding voice going forward. Like, that, I I think that's the, maybe the best, uh, like, contribution production-wise they've ever made. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, last question from Brent Lang. He says, as superheroes pop up in movies on television, streaming shows and games, how do you make sure there's not too much of a good thing? Couldn't that lead to oversaturation? And says, one of the reasons I'm excited about our strategy going forward is it is (sighs) multidimensional. We're not just serving the same fan base with the same creative vision. We're trying to expand it. Dude, that last one is one of the most leading fucking questions. (laughs) 
not every fan has to lo- love every piece of what we're doing. Dude, someone take his press oh. credentials from him. If he's got them, just someone sneak in and steal them. So she's saying not every Throwing fan has to love down. every not every fan has to love every piece of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So give us the effing Snyderverse, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're putting out more tentacles to be able to reach people with different stories on different platforms. So there isn't fatigue. It's not just the same cadence. We're going to mix things up. We'll have a slate of DC movies, but it will be richer and more multidimensional with a broader array of characters. This is just a slap in the face, honestly. Mm-hmm. That will help reduce the fatigue because you'll see a whole story about the Flash and then you'll see sequels like Aquaman 2 or new takes on Superman or Shazam, which plays to a family audience. There would be fatigue if we stayed on a more singular path, but because we are broadening, we'll have much more potential to grow the franchise across various demos and various types of fans. And that's the end of the article. No, like my major takeaway other than just the incompetence of someone having let that article be released because the who the fuck is that playing to? Anyone who is reading that article can see straight the fuck through it. Like mm-hmm. me and you are not visionaries. We, we, a lot of the things that we just said, people are already thinking while you were reading that off. Uh-huh. Like the major takeaway to me is that they're trying to diversify to make themselves sound like some of the controversies that they were involved with in the last, you know, let's face it, year and a half or so. Um, you know, escalating really in the last year, but year and a half or so are are not uh, relevant going forward because you know we're working on that. And two, they're trying to diversify creators so they don't have to actually fucking bargain with anybody. Like uh-huh. you, you don't want someone who who sneaks up among the crop and and has like a a heady vision that people want to see because you'd have to actually give that person what they wanted or needed instead of being able to take it on a whim wherever you wanted to go based on. Whatever the absolute goddamn fuck are their metrics, because I cannot figure it out. No. I, I don't understand what actually drives them as far as what they're doing. Uh, as so many people have pointed out, uh, Tim Yoko <laughs> comes to mind. Like, how the absolute hell do you have this much fan base asking for a thing and you just... <laughs> the other way. Yeah. What? And look, man, I mean, Tim... Tim Yoko of, of the Suicide Squad or DC Film Squad cast, I guess. Mm-hmm. I know uh, they both said it. He's, his tweets what yeah. came to mind. Yeah. No, he he posted a chart showing how much their numbers have gone up. Our numbers have gone up drastically for the for uh, the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Um, like drastically, drastically. <laughs> Way um, more than we are responsible for. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984, nobody gave two shits. It was it was a well, there was a middling did, bump, but, but it it kind of leveled back out. Yeah, but we, comparing bump. that that's though, a good, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> comparing our chart and their chart, it's uh, it's very similar in structure. Like there was a rise in in what people were interested in, and then after Justice League, there was like this hangover period where you know there 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 was like a hair of the dog period. I, I, I guess I'd rather call it of people that were interested in kind of the the post-mortem mm-hmm. and then there was a drastic drop of people that just didn't give a shit about fucking dc films anymore yeah and you know i think i think we've it bounced i mean uh, we like we had people that tim and we haven't talked to in years yeah i think tim and scott both said that their their drop was something like 40 percent and we experienced pretty much the same kind yeah, of drop it tracks with ours i mean their their chart looks very similar um so anyway percentage um so WB is not releasing 
or has not released these Zack Snyder's Justice League numbers. We're not likely to see that for a minute. Nah. Now, look, uh, you know, what we've gotten, though, is uh, we know that Crave announced that the Justice League is the most stream most streamed title in their history. That's Crave in Canada. Mm-hmm which uh, beat out the previous Crave record holders set by uh, Game of Thrones in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it had 1.1 million viewers in the first weekend, uh, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, we know that it was number one on HBO in 21 countries, number one on iTunes in 24 countries, number one on Google in 25 countries. Right. And that's all from Flix Patrol. Uh, we know it crashed HBO Asia. <laughs> yeah. Now look, there there was a third party, uh, Samba TV, mm-hmm. said that 1.8 million households in the U.S. watched Zack Snyder's Justice League in its opening weekend, uh, and that means it was more popular than Falcon and Winter Soldier. But this only this only said the first five minutes. This, this, these are people who watched the first five minutes. They may have shut it off at some point and come back to it later. We we don't know. Um, so the headlines were like, oh, it either is it was either oh, it beat Falcon and Winter Soldier, or it didn't beat Wonder Woman 1984's 2.2 million opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Now look, you know, Snyder Cut came out as as one of these articles says on a random Thursday in March. <laughs> Whereas Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four dropped over a holiday period, um, there is an interview on Silabdol Inc. with uh, the Samba's, Samba TV's director Jeffrey Silverman, who said that Samba TV count uh, count a viewer as someone who has watched over five minutes of a film or a TV show. And he says that's more precise than some rival analytics firms who frequently count a view if a person tuned in for just one minute. But in the context of a mammoth four-hour movie, it's not much of an indicator. Um, Neither is five. When they check the completion – yeah, when they check the completion rate for Snyder Cut, uh, the proportion of those 1.8 million households who finished the film, they found only a third of the households watched all four hours. But it is worth noting that this doesn't necessarily mean two-thirds of viewers who turned on the Snyder Cut decided to turn it off partway through. Many households have opted to watch uh, the, the movie in installments, splitting up, uh, splitting it up into two or three segments, or perhaps even watching one of the six chapters at a time. Mm-hmm. But it certainly means it's too soon to get a measure of the Snyder Cut's popularity simply because viewing numbers in and of themselves aren't a good metric here. Yeah, given the streaming part it, it was never going to be good now also let's also point out mm-hmm. wonder woman 1984's runtime two hours and 31 minutes the first episode of falcon and winter soldier 50 minutes 50 50 minutes long also let's also bring this up samba tv only records on smart tvs that have enabled samba tv to access your streaming numbers <laughs> mm-hmm. it cannot count views from a smartphone or from an iPhone, or from a tablet. If it's if it's like a lot of things, though, it's going to be like or from a desktop. It, yeah, it's <laughs> even Sama TV's numbers are going to be like people who didn't bother unchecking something when they clicked through the agreements, right? Which is a so, lot of people. I mean, I mean, probably eighty percent. Just a guess. Yeah, I'm just saying there's going to be a bunch of people that they couldn't they couldn't. Uh, measure here and hbo max knows those numbers Mm -hmm. 
They're not saying them, but they know them. <laughs> there are whole departments in charge of knowing those numbers. They fucking well better. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think the whole Ansarnoff thing, I think all of this, they're holding the numbers. I think they're in negotiations. I do. I think they're talking to Snyder right now. I think so. That's that's what my uh, heart and mind say are happening. But my soul I'm, fears differently. Not, but right. The the other thing though is that uh, they are just trying to shit this thing out and get it past them. I think uh, like the Justice's Gray edition, the black and white edition that that Snyder wanted to release, they kind of just slipped that one right out there like last week. Yeah. So it's up now. If you want to go check it out, um, they also kind of just quietly shit out the making the justice uh, sorry making the snyder cut documentary so that's out there now yeah uh someone asked Zack snyder uh, would it be a good idea to have both colored and black and white versions on repeat and zach says yes <laughs> <laughs> um they also had him do like a an intro to his own kind of uh playlist of the warner brothers titles mm-hmm uh, it's it's hard to believe that, f- that like factions of the conglomerate that is Warner Brothers aren't mm-hmm. excited about this, and other factions aren't. I, I feel like there's a little bit of internal struggle happening. Yeah, there is. All indications have been that there's there are at least two different factions within the whole the whole company who are kind of vying for their own version of this thing. Yeah. Um. What's funny is, you know, David David Ayer, uh, the director of Suicide Squad, when responded to that, we won't be developing the Ayer cut with like a like a tearful emoji that says, "Why not?" Yeah, I saw that. That was good. <laughs> and then he even like went out of his way like to to reply to somebody who's like, "Oh, if they 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 shouldn't release the Ayer cut this close to the Suicide Squad coming out. That's bullshit. That'd be terrible." And like David Ayer was like, of course it would be terrible. They would be out of their minds to release the Ayer cut now. To undercut with the Suicide Squad coming up. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And by the way, you know, David Ayer and James Gunn have been completely decent to each other and completely like on fire for each other's visions. Yeah. Like, I like genuinely think those two in a room together are just going to geek the fuck out for four hours. Yeah. Like, forget they so, were supposed um, to be having dinner and just have, like, two drinks and the appetizers instead and bounce. Right. So, look, uh, here's the takeaway. Mm-hmm. Don't lose hope. Don't delete your HBO Max subscription. Zach said. Zach said, do not delete it. Keep watching your keep watching Zack Snyder's Justice League if you want this thing to happen. Yeah. If you want more, keep watching. There is no doubt that that's, like, turn rate. Don't you cannot don't, have yeah. the turn rate go up afterward. Don't go and delete the the app and then just download the movie illegally and watch it and be like, well, they're not going to get me. Well, no, they have gotten you. You're an idiot. You've you've screwed up. Yeah. Go no, their, reactivate their, their, your account. Their media outlets got you more than the movie did. That's what happened. Like, yeah. You. There are a few things you have to do. You have to keep posting positively. Do not fucking review bomb other movies. Don't, yeah. Don't do that's that. Just don't. It's a shitty way to act. Watch both or either version of Zack Snyder's Justice League on repeat. Do not attack other DC projects. Mm -hmm. Do not tweet inappropriate or don't tweet the appropriate hashtags on in inappropriate places. All right. The appropriate hashtags would be hashtag restore the Snyderverse, hashtag Snyder cut, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Don't 
review bomb Even people. Uh, air cut. Don't don't do that either. Release the air cut. Don't don't put that on. Don't use the hashtag on freaking WB posts about supporting an end of violence against Asians. You dicks. <laughs> that pissed me off. <laughs> they they tried to trend one thing right and and no can't have that either. Well, look, it's it is a small faction, a small percentage of the the quote unquote Snyder Bros, who, by the way, I, I hate that term because the vast majority of the people that I know who are into the Snyder stuff is are women. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so look. We're going to hit a break, and when we come back, we're going to have some points of interest about Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're going to have spoilery, what you would have gotten if I made Justice League 2 and 3 from Snyder, and we're going to have TV news and some voicemails. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Alrighty, man, we are back. Our bladders are drained, and I am pumping more diet soda into my veins. It's got way too anatomical. <laughs> yeah all right uh let's talk a little bit about uh some justice league news here it's just some fun bits man mm-hmm. uh i think it's funny kind we, of and we passed the uh we passed the dire portion of the show you think maybe <laughs> somewhat okay all right there's gonna still be some like oh god i wish they do this okay um I think it's funny though. Zach says that he was still fighting with Warner Brothers over the Snyder Cut while they, after they had decided to make it, because they didn't want. Uh, well, first of all, they didn't let him have John Stewart in there. Yeah, because and that's bullshit. Because he wanted John Stewart at the end. And I saw some claim that it was uh, even Snyder. I think said because they said they had some kind of plan for an announcement, and he was like, oh, "Okay, look, if that's the case, that's fair." I, I'm not sure. There's any such thing. Well, you know, he said he almost quit over that. And then said, no, I, the fans want this thing and it'll be just as good with Martian Manhunter. And he was like, I'm not cutting a person of color out of this movie. Yeah, no, I get that. We're, and that's, we're just not doing that. Yeah, I'd, I'd love it. And 
that is far from uh, like a Pyrrhic victory. It, it's not. It's still a huge win. Like I, I would have been a little disappointed mm-hmm. if Snyder just left over that point. I mean, there he obviously pivoted to something that was, I think, just as meaningful and and as good. Yeah. Um, now he did say that they didn't want the Batman and Joker thing at the end. Uh, he says the Batman Joker relationship is, uh, is so element to both characters. And if I never make another DC film, I felt it was rude not to have done a scene with the two of them. Originally the studio said, now we don't want that, but I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I was going to put up some green screens and shoot it in my backyard. <laughs> but we didn't have to do that at the end. So, yay, they they begrudgingly agreed. I get it. Because they were like, no, we're not going to have you put up some kind of damn home video footage that you put together in your backyard. Which, by the way, I've seen his home video footage. Holy crap. Could it work? It lo- it, oh, my God. Like, he made a short film with an, I- with an iPhone mm-hmm. on Vero a few years ago. It was fantastic. Nice. So... Uh, dude, if Zack Snyder just became like a YouTuber, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be there for it. Yeah. At this point, um, when WV, when WB refuses to do something that's obvious and stupid, can we just start calling it like they should eat a beach of dicks <laughs> for liberty? Yeah. yeah. Um, for our liberty. Snyder says that. WB has given him a handful of charity screenings in IMAX. Mm -hmm. He says, as we go forward, I'm going to do a handful of charity screenings, a couple in color, a couple in black and white. And that's my plan. As we head toward the fall with the nerd Queens, we really want to do Zach con two or Snyder con two. The idea there would be to do an IMAX weekend where we would do man of steel, BVS and justice league as sort of a three day event and try to get as many people who want, who made the movie in the cast and whoever will help us out is a huge charity event, a huge kind of fan gathering with cosplay and the whole, like a real celebration of the whole thing. Nice. So, and it will have an intermission. <laughs> uh, Zach Has confirmed. That, Past the three hour mark yeah. even. Uh, Snyder confirmed that Lois Lane is pregnant in Justice League. Mm-hmm. And he says, she's definitely pregnant. I always wanted Barbara Gordon to come in in the movies. Commissioner Gordon would be on his way out and we'd have Barbara starting to play a bigger role. My idea was that after Batman sacrificed himself, there would be a window where there was no Batman. And I thought Barbara could fill that until the child of Superman and Lois, who has no powers, would become Batman when he was of age. (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. He says that was the idea anyway. It just seemed to make sense. Then, of course, Barbara could have been his mentor, but who knows? That's all just, see, now we're just wishful thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know he goes on to describe basically the entire thing, but come on. He's going to change some stuff and fuck with us if he gets the chance. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He already has a little bit. Um, he He says, the studio didn't want me to shoot anything. One of the rules of making the Snyder Cut was that the studio said no shooting of any kind. And then, of course, I shot stuff anyway, because suddenly, wait, there's rules now on the Snyder Cut? That seems unfair. (laughs) (laughs) Snyder Cut, but with caveats? And frankly, there are those caveats because there was a lot of things, and I won't list them here, that the studio did not want me to have in my version of the movie. And I think, frankly, that was all just because they had their own cinematic universe, and that's great. And they were afraid that uh, what I did might... 
they didn't want to because they consider the theatrical cut as canon and my cut as the elseworld kind of cul-de-sac we know the terms mm-hmm. so they were like please don't do anything like no dark side coda and i was like sure okay great do it yeah and i didn't mean to be subversive or rude it's just that the thing that fans wanted the deal i had made with the world was that they were going to get the unencumbered Zack snyder version of justice league i don't think anybody in the same position that i was uh could feel like I wasn't cheating. I they've got a great a whole bunch of movies. I have one. I'm not getting paid. I'm doing this for free. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> you asked me to do a thing. I'm gonna do the fucking thing. Yeah. He says when the studio saw the movie and they saw that I had done every single thing they had asked me not to do. <laughs> <laughs> we had come to a bit of a loggerhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So in the negotiation, we got this Batman versus Joker scene out of it. And then I was like, I'm not going to take a person of color out of the movie. Can I at least put Martian Manhunter at the end instead of Jon Stewart? And that's how that happened. Nice. So, yep. Uh, let's see. Did, did you see Leslie Jones doing the the live tweets of, of Justice no, League? No, I, I saw and read, but didn't. Like I like her videos are really funny. I believe it. The, uh, the hubbub around them was, uh, was pretty good. Even like it, I, I saw a bunch of like quotes and captions and stuff, and watched a few minutes of little pieces that were spread. But uh, yeah, it sounded great. I just didn't get to actually watch it and listen. Yeah, my, my some of them were so funny, but like just her comment, her commentating <laughs> like, from the horses. Like the, her commentary when Steppenwolf is like attacking the horses mm-hmm. that the Amazonians are riding on. Her commentary on that just cracked me up. Where she was like, that horse is like, what the F did I do to you? What are you doing? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Zack Snyder called her the Justice League Whisperer. <laughs> I saw that. Um, now, he was asked about the uncertain future of the Snyderverse. And uh, Zack Snyder told Pop Culture Weekly, uh, with Kyle McMahon, I hope it continues. It's not really my call. It's not up to me. I took this opportunity that the fans made real for me, and I wanted to honor that commitment that they had to me and honor my family and the work that all my friends had done to complete this version of the movie. I'm really proud of it. Warners and DC Films, by all means, they're in charge of their own world, and that's what they do. They've famously said that to them, the theatrical cut of Justice League is canon. That's what they kind of jump off of. And my little micro universe is its own thing. And I'm pretty happy with that. I'll let the fans decide how they want to go forward. And then he laughs. Yeah. <laughs> because he knows what we're going to go with. Maniacally. It. <laughs> uh, now, he also told McMahon, though, that his detailed plans for Justice League 2 and 3 that recently came out are not exactly what would make it to screen should he return to restore the Snyderverse. Mm-hmm explaining that those plans don't really apply exactly to where we ended up in the Snyder Cut. See, that's that's good man. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, uh, he was talking to Entertainment Weekly, and he admits that he never dreamed Warner Brothers would welcome back the uh, welcome him back to finish the story. And he says uh, because of that, he still holds out hope for more movies eventually for him. He says, I always go, what is more likely? that Warner Brothers would ask me to make a sequel to Justice League or that they would resurrect a three-year-old movie, spend millions of dollars to restore it to my original vision, and then release it. 
<laughs> I think that the sequel would have been a more likely scenario than what's just happened. Yeah. So I guess in the face of that, I say, who knows what the future holds? Yeah. Pretty much. Hey, what what's happened already is so crazy that like the next step, that is just way less to swallow. Mm-hmm. And he, in uh, referencing the the second version, he said it's the fall of, or the second movie yeah. in the Justice League saga. He said it would be the fall of Earth when Superman succumbs to anti-life and then sending Flash back in time to change one element so that doesn't happen. And then the big battle where we beat him when the villain Darkseid comes to Earth in the movie that you'll never see, the armies of hell, uh, of Earth all unite again as they did before. Uh, he says this time there would be aircraft carriers and special forces guys. All the armies of the world would come together as well as Atlanteans rising out of the ocean and the Themyscirans coming off their island. That was our big finale, but it's a long that in, in Justice League 3, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But it's a long dr- drum roll and guitar solo to get there. Hmm. Um, he says Justice League 2 would have shown Joker murdering Robin. He says Justice League 2 would have practically been t- entirely set in the nightmare world. And before the group of leftover heroes goes to stop Superman once and for all, they would share a Last Supper type meal and recount stories throughout the years. He says basically in the alternate future world, we would have been in a post Superman anti-life equation world where the team knew that the only way to fix the world was to run flashback and warn Bruce to save Lois. And so in that world, um, the movie was basically going to be about a ragtag group of justice league members pulling off a crazy mission to steal a mother box from this half destroyed cathedral in Gotham and get it back to the Batcave in order to use it to power the cosmic treadmill. (laughs) To jump flashback in time. Good lord. Okay, though. And the night be- mm-hmm. and the night before the big mission, they would have this Last Supper sort of reckoning, where they would all tell their stories. One of those stories was Joker telling the story of the death of Robin. Right. <laughs> I mean, who the hell doesn't want to see this? Um, I also want to see he like, does specifics. If uh, like when Joker in the actual cut just says like you need me i i want uh, i want to know so much more about those few words Mm -hmm. uh now going back to what ann was saying about how there was you know unprecedented you know diversity zach set up in justice league an adam movie with a chinese cast Mm -hmm. when they talk about when they 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 bring in ryan Choi. They, they set up his expertise in nanotechnology. Snyder says he was setting up a Chinese cast spinoff where uh, Kai's altering scientist becomes the next superhero in the Snyderverse corner of the DC Extended Universe. He said, I had been pitching to Warners to do an Atom movie with him in China. That was my goal. <laughs> Gee, did, did, they didn't do it. They thought they were all about diversity. Yeah. Assholes. Only now. Yeah. Okay. So um, he did say that a comic book sequel could happen with fan support. He said, I talked to Jim about it. We, Jim Lee, we literally had a plan to do a comic book, a huge run. We were going to do basically a comic book based on the whiteboard that I had up in Dallas at the dreamscapes of Zack Snyder's Justice League exhibit. Mm -hmm. There was a comic book that we were going to base on that. And then I wanted to do a mini run on the Joker Robin backstory, like a run on what was happening with Batman, what was happening with Joker and what was happening with Robin. And just that story as its own sort of micro story. We were super into it. And then when there was AT&T acquiring Time Warner and there was a bunch of switches and a bunch of cuts 
at DC and Lee said maybe in the future if there's fan support, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think at the very least we will get it in comic book form. Yeah. Minimally. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Zach says, hmm? I, I would love to see that in the event that we weren't ever going to see anything else for sure. But yeah, agree more mountable. Uh, Zach says that Justice League 3 was very much a Superman movie. Mm-hmm. He says, following his first flight in Man of Steel, his death in, Man- in BVS, and his resurrection in Justice League, Superman was to be the main hero um, in the charging his dark side. Um, he says, Batman makes the ultimate sacrifice in Justice League 3. He says, um, a pregnant Lois Lane would help a back from the dead Superman learn to become Clark Kent again, feeling more human than ever as he and Lois start a family. I had just assumed that the final movie was going to be very much a Superman movie, like the final chapter was going to be a large percentage of Superman to just book in the whole thing. Because if Batman died, it would have very much fallen on Superman to be the de facto leader. By the way, at that point, Wonder Woman would have been made queen of Themyscira as she would be leading the warriors of Themyscira into a battle against Darkseid himself. Uh, and Arthur would be leading the armies of Atlanteans. And Superman was going to be the head of the Justice League and the armies of men. And so Superman would have gone from this kind of berserker Superman to a benevolent Superman. Mm, that's nice. It's just... He says Justice League 3 would play like Man of Steel 2, uh, Man of Steel 2 because Superman has the hugest arc of everybody where he goes from like the main villain to like the main hero. And that struck me as just really cool and fun and like a really interesting trajectory for him because I think traditionally Superman is one of those characters that people don't see as changing a lot. You know what I mean? He's kind of a rock that everyone props against. And I just thought, how cool would it be to make our Superman the character that goes on the most incredible journey? Yeah, I like it. I'm down. I want to see it. Let's do it. Come on, Warner Brothers. I mean, I was also down with him wandering through the hillsides to grunge music. I I get it. It, That sounds new and interesting to me. We've already done a lot of the other stuff. To quote Bernie Mac, come on, America. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Joe Manganiello reveals Ben Affleck's Batman movie would have featured Batgirl versus Deathstroke. Mm Mm-hmm. He says there was like a big, huge showdown. I think Batgirl jumps in to try to help Bruce because Deathstroke is so fast that he can anticipate Bruce's movements. And there was this huge fight in Gotham City where Batman is like, you know, completely afraid that he realizes he's met someone who can take him. And that leads to this big climactic battle uh, throughout the streets of Gotham City at the end. Yeah. I want to see Ben Affleck's Deathstroke Batman movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll take the scraps if that just like shows up on a scripts website one day. I'll, I'll read the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so this was uh, comicbook.com's Comic Book Nation podcast. Manganiello explained that the scene between Slade and Luthor in Justice League sets up things with Lex telling Slade Batman's real identity. He says, as you could kind of like infer from the proper Justice League end credit, Slade is summoned by Luthor, who offers a peace offering of uh, Bruce Wayne's identity. Mm-hmm. He knows that Slade lost his son and he blamed Batman for it. Batman had a hand in it and Luthor summons him to his yacht and gives him a, the key piece of information. 
So now he's getting, he's setting loose this unstoppable force on Gotham City. And Bruce Wayne in the Batman film was going to be kind of similar to like, you know, imagine if David Fincher's The Game was real. He's Deathstroke systematically dismantled Bruce's life and starts murdering all the people in it. And you destroy his finances and just basically paints him into a corner. Yeah, so far so good. Mm-hmm. He says, the studio was very much enthralled by all of the research that I was doing. I was starting to build the character out and pitch them ideas. And I built a backstory and, uh, you, you know, because I think a lot of times the comic book series, sorry, the comic book stories of Deathstroke are very, very far fetched. You know, they're very superheroish. you know, where Deathstroke's holding a submarine over his head and throwing it. Hmm. And I wanted Deathstroke to be human and grounded. And so I started with, you know, he was a part of the American military. Okay. Well, what part, what branch, what would he have done? Where would have been, you know, what did, I don't know how that's the sentence, but whatever, Joe, what does his wife do? You know, and then of course, like the League of Shadows influence and why does he carry a sword and how do you learn how to use a sword? If you're, you know, most military guys don't mess around with katanas. It's just not what they do. So that part of the story needed to be built out. And so I was really ground, I was really grounding it and they were really, you know, they loved it. So I worked on that for six months. The end of that six month period, I wound up having a two hour long Skype call with Gareth Evans, which I've talked about before. And Gareth and I entered negotiations with the studio to make a stripped down version of Deathstroke that was almost like, imagine Deathstroke in the Raid film, the Raid 2 film, a revenge film with Slade, the mask, the patch, how he lost his son. Nice. I would have taken that mm-hmm. too. Um, he says that, in the same podcast that things are in place for his Deathstroke movie post uh, Snyder cut. He says uh, all of those tracks for the Deathstroke movie have been laid down. So, you know, it's all there. And I think it would be really a shame if the fans never got to see it. I would go to my grave unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So let's take one more break and then we come back TV news and voicemails. We are back. Let's get to these this TV news and vo- these voicemails here. Uh, Superman and Lois has been renewed for season two. I've been really digging the show so far, so I'm down with yeah. that. Uh, Supergirl has cast Eliza Helm as a younger version of Cat uh, Grant for a couple of flashback episodes. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, that'll, that'll be an interesting turn. Yeah, it says, uh, eager to step out of Lois's shadow and out from under her boss, Perry White's thumb, Cat chases a story to Kara's hometown of Midvale. Uh, this lead won't go as planned, but it will put her on the trajectory toward the media powerhouse we know and love as Cat Grant. That is a strange story to tell in your last season, but okay. Well, I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> It'll bookend well. Perhaps. Uh, Catwoman, sorry, Catwoman, Batwoman. <laughs> mm-hmm. They have recast the part of Kate Kane. I am super excited about this note. They didn't say Batwoman. Uh, I don't think they're going to take that away from, from, uh, from Ryan. I don't see how that would go over well in any case, Mm -hmm. but Kate Kane is going to be played by Wallace day. Now Hmm. Wallace day, who was Nissa Vex on Krypton. Remember several months ago Mm -hmm. when, when they, uh, Wallace day said that she would love to play Kate Kane. I was all about it. I am still all about it. <laughs> they, that was one of the loose ends of um, 
a few months ago when she was talking to, uh, uh, like, what's his name? Uh, uh, she was talking to the Luke Fox guy at some point. Of, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. About like, oh, you know, you won't believe what I saw here. I think it was before Fandom. And it, it was yeah, like a was, loose thread yeah. that never got pulled. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it seems to be the answer so, there. Yep. Carolyn Drees, the showrunner, says Wallace Day is going to be playered, are, playing our altered version of Kate Kane. And she's an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't have any, like, I would love to see her as Batwoman. I have no reason... I don't understand how or why they couldn't have two Batwomen on the show or her just playing a separate vigilante altogether. But uh, I really hope Wallace Day sticks around because I like Wallace Day. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Not only is she a really great actress, but also the thirst is strong. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not proud of it. Also not hiding from it. I'm going to admit it happened. So. Um, they've also cast, uh, Peter Outerbridge as Black Mask. So we're going to get some Black Mask and Batwoman coming yeah, up. Yeah. I saw a shot of that. Looked pretty good. Yep. And The Flash has cast Jordan Fisher as Bart Allen. So we're going to get a little impulse, looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. Yeah. You know, The Flash family, man, it expands quickly. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And then retracts. Yeah. <laughs> so wherever, <laughs> wherever you, uh, take one, you, you end up bringing the rest of them pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, a- Ava DuVernay's Naomi CW show, mm-hmm. uh, they have cast Casey Walfall as, as Naomi and she's from army wives and power. They've also cast Alexander Wraith of Orange is the new black and Marvel's agents of shield as D and o- owner of a local tattoo parlor and someone who knows more than he is willing to tell after the massive event, uh, that leaves the town in chaos. They have cast Cranston Johnson of filthy rich in the role of Zumbado, a mysterious owner of a local used car lot. Naomi doesn't trust him, having heard some troubling rumors, but at some point, they will have what is being described as a tense encounter that will leave her with even more questions. They've cast Camilla Moreno as Lords, a young woman with a sarcastic sense of humor who works at a vintage collectible shop. She has an unrequited crush on Naomi and is as obsessed with classic comics as she is and is happy to help Naomi get to the bottom of what's going on. Uh, Barry Watson from seventh heaven and heart of Dixie, uh, as Greg Naomi's adoptive father, a military veteran who is married to Jennifer and looks at Naomi, Naomi as the perfect daughter. Jennifer will be played by Makar who teaches, uh, linguistics. I can't say that at the town (laughs) military base and dotes on her bright and gifted daughter. Um, Mary Charles Jones of Kevin can wait and Grey's anatomy as Annabelle, Naomi's fiercely loyal classmate and best friend who is unafraid of telling Naomi hard truths. Uh, She is also noted as uh, supportive of Naomi's search for answers after the quote, the mysterious event. Uh, Aiden Jim of Tomorrowland and Dora the Explorer will play the role of Jacob Annabelle's sweet, shy and slightly nerdy boyfriend who treats her like a queen. And uh, Daniel Pug will play the role of Nathan, a high school jock who dated Naomi before she ended things, though he still shares an undeniable chemistry with her. Mm. So that's quite a cast. There's a lot of people on that show. Yeah, that's an ensemble now. (laughs) It sure is. It sure is, An ambitious one, frankly. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see how many of those people are around for the pilot, but, you know. Yeah, we've got a, a quick Lucifer season five B update. It looks like May twenty eighth is when that sh- is when that uh, well that shit is gonna drop. I guess what I was gonna <laughs> say. 
<laughs> um, again, season six is the final season, so we'll, we'll have a couple more uh, rounds of this, cool. uh, I imagine. We'll do some uh, anniversary Luciferin mm-hmm. um, at this house. And Batman the Long Halloween, the animated movie. Right. They have released the cast. This is going to be part one of a two-part uh, series of movies. Mm-hmm. The cast includes Jensen Ackles. Good start. Who is going to be uh, Batman. Right. Uh, the late Glee actress Naya Rivera is going to be Selena Kyle. And uh, apparently she completed her voice recording sessions for part one and two before she died. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Now we've got Josh Duhamel as Harvey Dent. Billy Burke as James Gordon. Titus Welliver as Carmine Falcone. David Dostomolshian as Calendar Man. Troy Baker makes his return as the Joker. This is the guy that sounds like Mark Camel, so I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. A- Amy Landecker as Barbara Gordon. Julie Nathanson as Gilda Dent. Jack Quaid as Alberto. Jack Quaid is one of the, he's, he's Huey on, on uh, The Boys. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And he's also Boimler on, on Star Trek Lower Decks. I like that guy. Uh, Fred Tattashore as Solomon Grundy. Alistair Duncan as Alfred. And apparently Francis Collier, Greg Chun, Gary Leroy Gray, and Jim Peary are also involved in some way. <laughs> listed. Uh, listed, but not identified. Right. Chris Palmer is directing The Long Halloween Part 1. He directed Superman Man of Tomorrow, which I was not impressed with. Sorry. Uh, Tim Sheridan scripted both films. Mm. Jim Krieg and Kimberly S. Morrow are producing with Butch Lukic serving as a supervising producer and Michael Uslan and Sam Register acting as executive producers. So, yeah, that's that's what's happening there. I'm I'm down with it. I, I like the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, Long Halloween story a lot. Uh, very interested to see it animated. And from what I can tell, it's a fantastic cast. So Yeah, yeah. It's pro- really promising so far, frankly. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have a couple of voicemails, three three voicemails, actually. Um, the first is from Joel in Houston. So uh, we're going we're gonna to listen to that now. Hey, guys, I was just calling to say that uh, Kilowog was on the Hall of Justice. Um, he was a dead Green Lantern and, like, that you see in the rubble. And then I was also going to say the only thing that I didn't really care for about the movie was that every time they showed Wonder Woman, um, they would play this little background like music, uh, and I, I'm i going to try to mimic it. I know I'm not going to sound anything like it, but it was always just that, ah, or you know what I'm trying to get at. But uh, yeah, it, I just felt like they did that a little too much. But other than that, I've seen a lot of people complaining about the slow motion. But there was actually a lot of shots that were slow motion that I actually really, really liked because sometimes whenever you watch cool scenes, like whenever Aquaman throws a trident at a couple of parademons closer to the final battle, um, if that would have been fast, I wouldn't have been able to, like, appreciate, like, everything going on. So I'm kind of, like, for me, I'm a little thankful that there was slow motion in some of those those parts. I don't necessarily think that it was too much, but I could see why some people think that. But, yeah, I love the movie, man. For me, I'm going to give it a 9.8 out of 10, and I'm only taking away, like, the point two because of that Wonder Woman. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, the movie was awesome. 
All right, guys. <laughs> keep up the good work. Later. <laughs> yeah, man. That that time that you're doing, man, Joel. <laughs> I swear to God, man. I think we ought to just start putting that whenever we mention Wonder Woman on the show. Just like bring in Joel going. <laughs> I just show up from time to time. <laughs> oh, oh my God! Yeah, um, I I thought it was cool. I thought it gave it like some sort of like I don't know. It felt it felt somehow cooler. That I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I noticed uh, Kilowog at the Hall of Justice sitting there with the hole through his chest. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I went, oh damn. It, and then we just it, got it gives some gravity got, to it he's not supposed to be easy to kill well he's a heavy guy a big uh, hitter. yeah gravity takes his toll on him <laughs> now um yeah we just got sidetracked in the in our review there was so much to talk about dude um yeah. what was his other point here oh the the slow motion yeah, we, oh, yeah, yeah. there are no, lots I've, of i've seen that story too banging around but yeah it, it yeah, there's there's a story that's like ten percent of the Snyder cut is slow motion. Okay, well that's you know twenty four minutes, but also slow motion is a freaking it's splash pages, man. Like we're still doing comic book movies, right? Yeah, there's still <laughs> there's still uh, there should be moments where you're just staring at it and and want to pause it and frame it. Yeah, like I I'll take slow motion. I'll take it. You know. I'll take it way faster than, you know, lens flares and shaky cam. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. And I'll definitely take it over whatever the hell Christopher Nolan was trying to do with his action sequences and his trilogy. <laughs> like, a lot I'm of them, just, yeah. you know, which that's a lot more shaky cam. And I just, I just don't like shaky cam. I don't. It's like, I want to be able to see what I'm trying to see. Like, if you look at a, you know, Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I hate when people are like, Zack Snyder's basically Michael Bay. No, he's not. Zack Snyder, when he does a slow motion, you can tell what the hell is happening. You can, you can understand what's happening in his action sequences. Mm-hmm. When I watch a Michael Bay movie, all I see is a bunch of jibbledy jabble. Like, I don't know what the hell that is. I don't know who's fighting who. His Transformer movies, like, it's just, it's just programmable matter flying around just. Yeah. Yeah, and then every once in a while, one of those it's almost like you're like, supposed to be high to watch this correctly. And then if right. you try and that, you're like, ah, and it's worse now. It's worse. And it, every once in a great while, one of those robots will pop a head up, and they'll say something that sounds pretty racist, mm-hmm. and you'll go, "Oh, it's that's the blackface robot, mm-hmm. Jim Crowbot." <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, I I, yeah, I, get it. I I don't think I ever saw more than the first two of those, and I was just like, okay, I can't do it anymore. I get it. I think I'm that's sorry. as far as I made I'm it to. Uh, also, uh, I'm talking about the slow mo, and, and he's absolutely right. Like it does give you time to appreciate and breathe with uh, some really good moments. You know, we're also not mentioning moments where things happened way faster than they normally would, like. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman raking down the robbers or that, that fucking uh, kick push thing that Superman does. Yep. Um, I went back and like rewound that scene, you know, by the, the little rewind button several times just to watch yep. the, the kick, man. It's just, it's glorious. You barely see his leg move and he just flies into the distance. 
Right. And uh, yeah. Also, again, Wonder Woman. Uh, God, that was so much more badass than even. As is the way. Yeah. As is the way the detractors try to try to point out things that they think the general audience will be like, ooh. And they don't understand or notice that, like, all of the sped up scenes, the things that happen very quickly, like, it's. There's a rhythm to it all. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, there, there's, there's slow motion. And yes, you could make a headline and say, a tenth of the movie is slow motion, but not all at once. <laughs> it's not like there's like a 24-minute sequence that's all in slow motion. Yeah. Go screw yourself. You're an asshole. You know, alternatively, like, like you, could, you could be like any, uh, any movie uh, almost. You could be like 10 to 20% of this movie has no dialogue. Yeah, you know, because you had to have, like, establishing shots and occasionally people just acted with their face instead of their tongue and that kind of thing. Or or you could be like, 40% of this movie is silent and it's just all the front part of Wally. Yeah, I saw, like, one girl who was, like, posted, like, a picture of, like, the night sky in Gotham. And it looks like it was, like, a fade-in. Mm. <laughs> and she was like, my brother saw this and was like... Is the whole movie in black and white? Oh, I'm like, Christ. that's just how night works. <laughs> I mean, it's just dark. I don't. My God, really? I mean, then she like went on to like shit on the movie the entire time, like, th- and I just blocked her. I was like, I can't, I can't deal yeah. with you. I don't even know why you showed up in my in my stream. <laughs> <clears throat> I thought I took care of all of you assholes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, you know, whatever. All right, uh, so I, I'm going to warn you guys up front, and I understand if you can't stay with us. Uh, we got a couple of voicemails from the Witter Woman, uh, so we're going to play those, and we're going to react to them. I think they're funny, mm-hmm. and I pray that <laughs> it, the old Witter Woman, whoever she really it's is. only that we understand it has been divisive. It has been divisive. Uh, I pray that the old Witter Woman never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep them coming. I I always enjoy voicemails from the old Witter woman, but um, DCOnScreen.com if you just can't do with it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Well, I'll tell you what, I hear y'all talking about them haircuts. <laughs> oh, the haircuts, there's some haircuts. Well, I'll tell you, back in the Depression, we used to go to old, old Delmer. Demmer had him a barber shot, and you get a real good haircut from him. I'll tell you, just for a nickel, and he'd he'd shave the sides, and then if you had an extra penny, he'd put a little of, of that pomade up there and get you looking real real good. So well, I'm just letting you know, us old folks, we know about them haircuts too. So well. I hope you have you good, and uh, I'll talk to you. Oh, and I heard you talking about that old green lantern as well. If you, you ought to put a, a, a brighter bulb in that or a, a good candle in there, because green, you won't be able to see nothing at night. All right, well, thank you. Bye. Well, I ain't got much sense today, I'll tell you that. I've been into the corpse. I apologize for, for taking up your time. All right, thank you. Bye. 
<clears throat> I see her um <laughs> 97 Nokia phone hasn't given out on her yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Witter woman is Ayer cut. A-Y-E-R, yeah. as in David Ayer. We're not talking about a haircut, Witter woman. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems so fashionable at the time. Going down there to get that haircut everybody's so excited about. <laughs> and just, a, oh. it's practical. You know, your your light bulb should probably, uh, you know, Getting to different Not colors. Green. Yeah, yeah. Green feels like a bad thing. Sometimes. I mean, unless I was Can be. in, you know, high school going through certain phases and I found deeply colored light bulbs in my uh, immediate vicinity, I'd, I'd be a little worried about what was up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, I'd love to see what the Witter woman said about the F sharp bell. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh. oh, God. All right, so we got another Winter Woman. I guess she's losing it a little bit. She's getting to that age. She called us a second time. Oh. Yeah, yeah. and it's about, oh, God. Let's just listen to it. Just, here, 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 here we go. point where you just, you just do what's familiar now. And just redial the number. I get it. Mm-hmm. Similar preacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just vanished in the night. They do that. Just make up shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. If uh, Winter Woman, if we ever find that Snyder verse, <laughs> we'll let we'll you know. have to <laughs> get some special shipping permissions to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, send it to that hilltop in the Appalachian Mountains that I suspect you live in. Yep. Maybe employ a series of donkeys and some sort of West Virginian Sherpa. See if we can get that message up to you. Or we'll just say it on the show. And I don't know how she's listening <laughs> to the podcast, but well, she's high up. So on the side of a mountain, she can get some uh, good reception up there. She's probably so high up she can't get any reception except occasionally when like overhead cheap redline flights are playing some frequency that somehow bounces 
our ridiculous bullshit off it. Oh, she's high, all yeah. right. You heard what she said about those corn squeezes. Yeah. <laughs> Look. She's getting tall. I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on. Because when we had our anniversary episode, or maybe it was the um maybe it was the Winter Woman compilation. I can't mm-hmm. remember which one. But, you know, I like Cletus came to me, you understand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> with tapes. So, you know, sometimes the Winter Woman gets in contact with me. I don't know. I, I, I just don't, I don't know what's going on. Is she part of the Secret Service? Is there some sort of cabal? I don't no, know. No, no, no. In that case, it's Sherpas and weather balloons. The country cabal? Mm-hmm. Just have someone in a neighboring county shoot it down at the right Ooh. time. Might as well be the a hee-haw high- cabal. <laughs> 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 or as it's pronounced, the hee-haw cabal. <laughs> yeah man alright well I think that puts this episode in the books what, what you what you think man what you think I, I think it's deader than it's ever been cool yeah. well OVs thank you so much it has a smaller thank percentage you. of returning than another Snyder movie <laughs> well damn <laughs> we'll be back next week <laughs> I just meant this particular episode it's oh, out okay. it's gone it's done like, well shit all right thank you so much for listening dconscreen.com for all the things you know the the donate button and and the shirts and and uh whatever the hell else you need i don't know links to all the places you can subscribe spotify and apple and all that shit we love you thank you so much for listening and supporting our show and uh respectfully restore the snyderverse until then keep some dc on your screen Our intro music is by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Galactic Engineers of Magnetic Sounds, or GEMS, can be found on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Visit DCOnScreen.com to find our Patreon, merch, contact information, and every episode of the show for free, including crossovers we've done with other podcasts. DC Onscreen is a maladjusted production. For more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, vlogs, parodies, and our improvised web series Hey Guy, visit maladjusted.tv.